Hello, welcome back. After a couple month hiatus, back to the Bulletproof Fantasy Football YouTube channel, back to the R Squared Fantasy Football podcast. We're joined here today with a very special guest, Mr. Morton Anderson. Mr. Anderson, do you want to introduce yourself? You did a good job. I mean, my nickname is the Great Dane. I don't know if people know that. So I'm from Denmark. So that's that was my nickname when I played down in New Orleans and in Atlanta and everywhere else. But uh, it's uh, played 25 years in the league and uh, I'm now... Uh, residing in atlanta and um, in the pro football hall of fame and having a great time awesome where can people find you so i'm on twitter and instagram at great dane 2544 and uh great dane nation is our podcast we're on spotify we're on apple music we're everywhere you find your podcast it's called great dane nation that's awesome as always i am yzr underscore fantasy he is Dynasty underscore I am. Yeah, so talking to Mr. Anderson shortly, a little before, we were talking about how he's from Denmark, and uh, he ended up coming over here in high school as part of an exchange program and uh, ended up staying here and playing college football here. So if you want to expand on like how you kind of got your start um, into – American football or how you broke into college football and then the NFL? It was it was really a coincidence. I walked on the high school team. They didn't have a soccer program. I was hoping to play soccer, actually. And I landed in Indianapolis on my 17th birthday. And um, my host family that I was staying with, they had two boys and two girls. And the boys were playing football at the high school and junior high. And the team needed a kicker. I was like, well, I don't I – don't, I don't really know the game at all. I I know soccer, I know gymnastics, I know team handball, like European sports, but I had no clue about American football. So we went to watch the, like a preseason jamboree game, and it looked interesting. It kind of looked just like a big fight, really, a big pile of bodies. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, it didn't seem that uh, technical to me at the time. You know, it didn't seem that tactical or technical, but it you know, it turns out that it really is a very tactical game, obviously. So I was just hoping I wasn't going to be one of those bodies in the pile. And uh, my host brothers basically said, no, you just got to run in, kick the football, and get off the field as quickly as you could. So that seemed attractive to me. And I walked on the team the next day, and um, the whole team was lined up to see me kick. And I started kicking, and the ball flew high and, and far. And I had 80 new friends. <laughs> just like that that's kind of how it, it all started and then we had a very good team we were 11 and 1 we went all the way to the state semifinals and um, i was recruited to purdue michigan state other schools in the midwest and decided to go to michigan state uh, on a full athletic scholarship and kick for them for the spartans there was wow. a danish kicker there named hans nielsen who recruited me and i figured if hans could do it from denmark then then I could do it, and uh, it turned out to be okay. Yeah, yeah I'll say. Wow. So, then, uh, yeah. 17 coming over, never heard of football, and then one year later, you're in college on a full scholarship playing football. Pretty much four cool. months later. Four months wow. later, really. Uh, you never not, even, not even knowing the sport, you know, that was the thing. And I think the takeaway for me and for, for us all should be that you never know when your defining moments come in life. You never know. But if you're willing and and you have the ability to open your mind and your eyes to the possibilities. Then you jump, you jump at it, and uh, and and you go for it. And um, magic can happen. Um, there was certainly risk. Uh, there's, there was no guarantees for me whether I could do it or not. But um, as I got better at it, I just really uh, felt that this was a really good fit for me. And I'm a perfectionist. I like to be very good at what I do, so I worked at it. And um, 
I think it was a defining moment that if I don't, if I didn't recognize it, you know, we're not sitting here and talking about a 25 year career in the NFL or any of those things. Um, it would have been something different. You know, hopefully something different and, and equally as inspiring and cool. But I'm sure glad that I made the decision to to do what I did. Yeah, it was because uh, you said you came here not ever playing or recognizing football, and then you had that tryout. Was that your first time kicking the football? Yeah, that was the first time, and I was looking at the ball, going, hmm, and the ball's not round. This <laughs> is not good. The ball is. Uh, a different shape. How do I get that up in the air? How do I understand? How do I learn how to make that thing fly high and straight? So obviously there was a learning curve, and um, there really weren't a lot of people around to tell me what to do. So it was more trial and error, mm-hmm. and um, I just I figured it out little by little. Figured it out, and um, you know I had a, a pretty good amount of ability as far as kicking a ball from soccer. I had a lot of explosiveness from gymnastics that I was doing, and all. Field, uh, I was a long jumper, so I had a lot of explosiveness. And those are things you need kicking. You need those fast twitch fibers and uh, explosiveness through the ball. And uh, once I figured that out, we uh, the ball really started flying far and uh, pretty accurately. And that, that was a cool, cool moment. Yeah, and it didn't take long for you to pick that up, especially at a D1 level. Yeah, I mean. I could have gone to a couple of other schools, but again, it just made sense to go up to Michigan State. And, uh, you know, going from a, a high school where I think the most we played in front of was 10,000 people. And really back home in Denmark, when I was playing soccer, we played in front of maybe 100 people. Um, so I went from 100 to a couple of thousand to 76,000 in Spartan Stadium. And when we played Michigan in the big house, 105,000. So it was a whole different ballgame. It was a whole different scenario to get used to. But it it, uh, it was exhilarating and it was it was fun. It was, most fun I've had in four years was probably my college career, I would say. Oh, that's awesome. And then you got um, drafted fourth round, right? Fourth round, yeah, third pick in the fourth round by wow. the Saints. Yeah, what was the draft process like? Yeah, it was. I was the first kicker taken in the country. Um, I was I was slated to go anywhere from the second round to the fourth round, and I fell there in the beginning of the fourth round. And I had had no contact with New Orleans. I've had I had a lot of contacts with um, like Chicago, the Bears, the Cowboys, uh, the Raiders, the Giants, uh, but really nothing with New Orleans and. Um, they decided to take me for whatever they, whatever they saw from the the combine workouts, and they um, yeah they said this this is this kid is a pretty good athlete and he can kick the ball a long ways and uh, now we just got to figure out if he can do it mentally when the lights come on on Sunday afternoon and that took a little longer for sure that was my first year was not the best but uh, with a few uh, with a little bit of patience from the coaching staff I was able to. Uh, figure it out and start getting some game winners under my belt my second year and and then i was off and running mm-hmm. you got hurt your first year right yeah i got hurt uh, in the very first kick actually against uh oh. then the st louis cardinals a guy named randy love ran after me on a kickoff i i kicked it in the end zone and um it was a touchback so the, the play was basically over it was dead Randy Love didn't know that, so he started running after me to block me. And I, when I saw him, I started running the other way, of course, away from him, try to not get hit. And that's when I twisted my ankle and uh, I tore my ligaments in my right ankle. And I was out for eight weeks. Now we had a player strike, so mm-hmm. we really only played a couple more games, and it gave me an opportunity to get back healthy. 
So when the strike was over, we uh, I was ready to go again. Right on. So I was uh, I was looking at your stats because you're talking about running away from defenders, and I was looking at your career stats, and there's one that just really popped out to me, and it was that uh, you have one tackle to your name. Uh, no, I couldn't, I couldn't I think find I have the more video. than that. Really? Well, then Pro Football uh, Reference is not giving you your due diligence. Then I think I had two unassisted at least. <laughs> I had 17 total tackles, assists. So I don't know. We got to fix that. Yeah, we got to reach out to Pro Football Reference. Only giving you one tackle in the they're career. Screw, they're screwing me over, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's any video of it. You know, most of my tackles were done with a sideline as a friend. So I would just run guys out of bounds and just touch them. And whoever touches the guy last, you don't right, have to put him on his back. It's a tackle. Yes. So I, I used that sideline uh, as my friend quite a bit. Did you ever make like a full form tackle and drive a guy into the dirt? Cause no, no, no? I, I, I acted speed bump a lot, you know, where guys <laughs> would run over me and I would try to grab their ankles as they were blazing by me. You just got to uh, slow him down. It's like that Ben exactly. Roethlisberger. Ben trying to, the, you got it. Just game. trying to slow them down enough so the the positive, the rest of the guys can come in and corral the guy. I like but, that uh, Lannister guy um, again for the Browns against the uh, Steelers. Got kicked in the face by Antonio Brown. He he still made the tackle. Yeah, no, that's uh, self preservation for me, man. That was not <laughs> something I really enjoyed doing. So, uh, would you say that uh, those 105,000 that you talked about playing in front of Michigan or the 75,000 at home at Michigan State helped you for like your first and second years in the NFL where those were packed stadiums every Sunday? I think so. Yeah, I do. I do think so. I mean, this was uh, Big Ten football was was uh, high level and uh, was popular and the stadiums were usually full. And so we were playing in in front of pack houses, you know, every week, whether it was home or away. So it was a very popular product. Plus, you know, the weather was a factor late in the year a lot of times. And uh, so we were, we got used to playing in bad weather and wind and snow and bad conditions. And I think that helped me as well, kind of focusing in on what I needed to spend my time doing. And But I think the big stage for sure, uh, had I gone to like a small college, I think it would have been more difficult so mm -hmm. i was just kind of thrown through the fire right away my freshman year we won the big 10 my freshman year actually and um, i was a leading scorer in the big 10 my freshman uh, year so we uh we scored a ton of you know, touchdowns and I, I was on the field a, a bunch a lot of kickoffs a lot of a lot of extra points and field goals so it was uh, it was fun it was great great time yeah a lot of um kickers at the top of those points list you're the second all-time point scorer in the nfl right right and you were you were first when you retired um and then vinatieri passed you later right yeah hell of a career kickers never get their due but they're always out there um putting points on the board and uh winning games kickers right. are people too it's like uh that pat mcafee saying punters are people too kickers are people too we gotta right we got to get that going the same way that punters get their dues. Well, I was yeah. watching the the Pat McAfee show, and they had Evan McPherson on there. And he did say that he was going to break all of Adam Vinatieri's records. So I guess in that sense, he's also breaking all of your records. Yeah, I guess he would. I guess he would if he's breaking Adam's. I mean, yeah, that kid's good. He'll be a, he'll be a good one, yeah. So uh, I was wondering this earlier because I'm a pretty big Falcons fan growing up in Atlanta. 
Uh, would you say you're more of a Saints or a Falcons fan? Because Saints, they're like our worst enemy. You started <laughs> with the Saints, ended up with the Falcons. Who do you like more? Like you went to Super Bowl with the Falcons. You got to give them something, right? Oh, I do. I do. Absolutely. And uh, listen, I, I really enjoyed my time. My eight years in Atlanta was a lot of fun. We had a lot of success, won a lot of games here. Uh, and But, you know, New Orleans was the formative years where I grew up as a professional player and so they kind of hold a special a place in my heart. But uh, well, I enjoyed New York. I enjoyed Kansas City and Minnesota as well. So the whole journey was fantastic just for different reasons, uh, different periods in my career. Uh, but, you know, I live in Atlanta, so obviously I want the team to do well. Although I do support the Saints probably a little bit more. <laughs> they're Sorry playing, they're Sorry playing against each other. Who do I don't even come close to that game. I, it's a no-win <laughs> situation for me. I just stay at home. <laughs> So um, what was the Super Bowl like, the biggest stage? You know, you're talking about the big stages going into the NFL. And then what was it, your 17th year that you played in the Super Bowl? You know, what was that like? Well, we had come off a really big win in overtime in the NFC Championship game. that we had Because of you, on, right? Well, we had won it on a field goal in overtime. So a lot of good things had to happen before that kick but yeah, so it's never, you know never one player that wins or loses but um mm. i was the last guy i was the last player of the game um so a lot of good things had to happen prior to that um and then the, there was a period of two weeks where we didn't have a game and then the super bowl against john elway and denver down in miami and i just i just think that denver had the advantage of having been there the year before mm. they you know they had won the super bowl um, in in 98 and then when we got there in 99 i just it just felt a little overwhelming we we didn't know quite how to, ex to what to expect and how to manage the time uh maybe the way that denver did and uh, you know the distractions because there's a lot of distractions leading up to the game mm -hmm. and uh i think the flow of the game you know we're we were in the game for a good amount of time and then we just couldn't score in the red zone. We kicked field goals. I missed a field goal. Uh, they scored touchdowns, and we we just, you know, anytime you have that game, if you have, you know, field goals and they're scoring touchdowns. So it was it was unfortunate. It was an anti-climax for sure. It was, uh, yeah, you're still the best loser, but you're still the loser, right? There's, there's 30, 32 teams, and there's one winner every year. That's the brutality of, of the NFL. It's the finality of it if you will it's um it's a great it's a wonderful league but it is uh for 31 teams it's disappointing every year yeah who was it um vince lombardi said that or that the uh second place is the first loser <laughs> i don't know who said it but whoever said it it's true for yeah. sure it's ricky bobby if you're not that was last that's a that's a different quote so the you got a chance to play in the Super Bowl and you said it wasn't didn't go as planned, but is just the feeling of being on the field like aside from it being the Super Bowl, does it just feel different? Once the game starts, not so much, but I think the the lead up, you know, the the jets that come flying over the stadium, the fireworks and the national anthem and that's the page the whole thing, you know, the the length of the pregame. The length of halftime, halftime is much longer. Normally a halftime in the NFL is 12 minutes. I think halftime in the Super Bowl is like 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes. So it's a lot longer because you got a big halftime show. 
you know, you got performers, you got a big stage that you got to roll out and dis- disassemble and take take off the field again. So there's a lot of stuff going on that has nothing to do with the game. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of hard to wrap your head around that because you're sitting in the locker room for like over half an hour. You, you're getting cold. You got to get up and move around. And the same after we went out and warmed up before the game until the game started was like an hour at least an hour. So, you know, it's a lot of downtime. What do you, what do you do with that? You know, what do you do with that time on the, on the, and there's so many people on the field, VIPs, celebrities have nothing to do with the game. Yeah. And you're going, what, what are these guys doing on the, on the field? You know, this is, this is not their moment. This is not their game. Mm -hmm. Get off the field, go up (laughs) to a box and and sit up there. You know, that was kind of my feeling on, on the thing, but, um, yeah, I feel like when I watch a game, I see the kickers go out at halftime and get kicks up. So is like a Super Bowl halftime where they have all that stuff? Are you kind of just stuck getting cold in the locker room or are you still trying? Yeah, to- there's no room. There's just really no room to warm up. You might get a few kicks on the sideline or something into a net. But I mean, they're disassembling stage. There are people running around everywhere. It's 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 uh, it's not conducive to to a productive warm-up for the second half at all yeah, yeah. not at all I mean, the super bowl uh, at its foundation is a is a game but it's turned into a huge spectacle because that's what draws the massive audiences most people that watch it aren't hardcore football fans it's just a big a uh, party. Like, excuse to a party right exactly yeah <laughs> some yeah. of the people that's the only football game they watch some people only watch for the commercials it's just right yeah did you have your favorite commercial this year no, as <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I was just on my phone during the commercials. I'm there for the football. Good. How about you guys, Ian? You have a favorite commercial? Uh, those Doritos ones are usually pretty good, but can't remember seeing. They uh, used to have some of the, uh, the, the, the beer commercial, I think, with Bud Light or something. They used to have some pretty funny ones. Oh yeah, the Coinbase um, one was good. That was I like the music to that one, and it was like it is a cool gag because everyone started talking about it. Everyone was wondering what the QR codes for, and at the end, there's a big mm. reveal. So you just get a really cheap. It was a cheap commercial to make, probably, except for the. Oh yeah, the the, the barcode was just kind of moving in the screen. Yeah, and then everyone's cheering when it hits the corner, and you know that's all you got to make, and you just have to pay for the spot, and then that's they, they got a bunch of. Um, Bunch of viewers, seven and a half million bucks for thirty seconds or whatever it was. It's a big number, right? But then you don't have to pay for that actual production. You don't. You don't have to pay any actors or pay any directors or the whole. Yeah, that's true. Comes with it, and so it's a barcode. (laughs) Most expensive barcode in the world. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Apple did one. I think Apple did one a long time ago where they just like it was just like the icon on there. That was it. Nothing else. (laughs) Because at that point they were probably. They're probably really big. Cause I mean, yeah. the most famous Super Bowl commercial was the Apple one from the '80s, right when they had the person run into the room, throw the sledgehammer at the screen, and it's like break free from everything, the and get an Apple device. I don't know. I haven't seen that commercial in a while. That's the most famous one, though. If I'm remembering the Super Bowl correctly, didn't a didn't a kicker watch the halftime show? It was McPherson. He just oh, okay. stayed out there and just was enjoying the show. <laughs> Instead of going back to the locker room, he was just there sitting on the bench. Safe to say your Super Bowl experience was much different. Yeah, I, I, I did not stay out. I don't even remember who played at uh, halftime in 99. Maybe we can look that up. Um, I, I don't even know who our who, uh, halftime. I remember seeing like Prince in the Rain one year. 
playing Purple Rain. It was pouring down rain. I remember Michael Jackson doing the second Gulf War playing, and Michael was great. And um, yeah, there was some good Black Eyed Pete. Uh, uh, there were some good shows over the years. Yeah, so that year, the year you were in the Super Bowl, it was Stevie Wonder. Didn't see Stevie Wonder. Missed it. Yeah. I'm sure he was great. Yeah, probably. I haven't heard his music. I don't know. Um, but he's probably very good. The plays piano, right? Or something? I don't know. I'm not a big old music fan. I just listen to rap. You're not a Motown guy? <laughs> Sadly, no. I mean... got to come on with the Motown now. Good stuff. I'll check it out later. So... If I could ask another question, um, what's uh like? What's the locker room kind of like? Especially, well, in general, and then just from your perspective, like as a as a kicker, um, if you're not in this big position group. Yeah, but you're still part of the team. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very much a um, still get the feel for for everybody. And the thing about not belonging to one, well, special teams is very unique because you have guys from offense and defense that make up special teams. So you really have a, a mixture of, of all all different players. Um, so that's that's kind of the unique thing about playing special teams. So on my coverage guys, I could have DBs and receivers and a tight end and a linebacker lined up next to each other and to cover my kick. There's no other you know, no other face in the game that has that. Mm-hmm. Very specialized. So I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed those meetings. Um, and the locker room really tells you a lot about what kind of team you're going to have. You know, if the, that locker room is tight and uh, tight-knit and um, you have leadership in there that takes care of business, and any problems when they're small, taking care of them internally instead of letting them blow up and get into the press, then you, you've got something special. Um, so I think uh, in, that internal culture is so important to um, to have and to nurture. And, uh, you know, a head coach needs to, I mean, number one, lead by example, but also delegate, get delegate out and then trust his players and coaches to do their job uh, and be responsible for their actions and understand their consequences for, you know, bad behavior and uh, you get rewarded with good behavior. This is not nothing new. I mean, this is what you as a parent would tell your kids as well. So um, I knew when we had a good team and also knew when we had a really bad team because the locker room would tell you so. You know, if there was a, a person that, that, that was a cancer in that room, um, meaning disruptive and trying to sabotage what everybody was trying to do then if it didn't get handled then it became worse you know winning is a habit so is losing and um i think um you know we won our fair share but we sure sure lost a lot of games that we probably could have been prevented with a better environment a better locker room environment and um it takes a concerted effort on part of uh, guys that are strong-willed and minded to, to do it and to say enough is enough. We're not going to put up with it. And then you, you handle stuff um, internally before it becomes a real problem. So, but I, I loved the locker room. It was, um, that was our workplace. That's where, that was the heartbeat of the team for sure. Um, so do you have a favorite player that you played with? 
Well, Clay Matthews Jr. was great. He played 19 years as a middle linebacker. Uh, the Matthews, historically, throughout the family have had, throughout their generations, have been NFL players. You know, Bruce Matthews and you know Clay Matthews Sr., Clay Matthews Jr., and, and played for Green Bay. So there's a lot of history there. Um, and they're the right kind of leaders and teammates that you want to have. So I would say Clay's one of my favorite guys for sure. Nice. Pretty cool. Um, you like a, a favorite memory, like with the, with a the whole team? Well, I mean, winning the NFC championship game was special and going to, uh, going to the Super Bowl was special. And we didn't like the result in the last game, but, uh, just the flight home from Minneapolis when we had beaten the Vikings, that was a uh, pretty special flight coming back to Atlanta and watching all the cars lined up on 85 when we were driving up to Swanee. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and just, but all the games, you know, it's, it, the trips that you take with, with your teammates and all the hours you put in, it's it's worth it when, when you sit in that locker room right after the game and you, you realize you've won the game. You put it all out there. Everybody's sweating. You know, everybody's just done exhausted and uh, you won the game yeah that's really. a special feeling between 50 guys 53 guys mm -hmm. yeah bringing everyone together the uh forgot who who i heard it from like someone said the locker room is like having 52 other brothers yeah it is it is for sure and uh, especially if you're pulling in the same direction and everybody's on the same page you can still personality wise you can be different mm -hmm. but i think the most important thing is uh are we uh where do we want to go and how, how do we get that together mm -hmm. and then yeah. with that you can have a really really powerful team that gets a lot of stuff yeah. done yeah exactly exactly looking at your resume you got quite a bit of pro bowls uh stacked up what's it like being a part of uh, the generation where the pro bowl was actually played you're kind of the last generation where they played played the pro bowl if you know what i'm saying yeah. Yeah, I do know what you're saying. <laughs> it's not not flag football. <laughs> we were actually, I mean, guys were hitting, especially in the fourth quarter when they realized that there was money. I mean, because if you won the game, you had you got paid more. Mm -hmm. So maybe for the first three quarters, it wasn't that interesting, and then it became a real a, a real football game in that last quarter. And uh, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Because you're playing with the very best. You're playing with future Hall of Famers. You're playing with all pros. You're playing with the very best at their position. So the quality of the product is going to be great. Even if, if you're not going full speed, it's going to be amazing. And, uh, you know, to be playing with Walter Payton and Joe Montana and these guys, Steve Young and, and Lawrence Taylor and, and Reggie White and all these great players that from my era um, was really special. And it elevated your game and it uh, – required from you that you paid attention and lived up to to the fact that you were on the you know representing the nfc um so it was uh it was special and it was in hawaii which is not a bad place to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah before they moved it where is it now um vegas vegas yeah it's in vegas I now and they also had it in orlando for a bit and um orlando's hawaii, not it should it should be in hawaii let's face it so I, yeah. a tier above everyone, every, all those other <laughs> oh, things. Oh, for sure. For sure. I agree. I agree. And then you get to take your family there and have a nice vacation. And then you play the game. That's got to be. And you get paid. 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds better than going to Vegas for a week. I mean, Vegas. I've never been to Vegas. It's probably one not or two nights in Vegas, you know. Right, that's, but that's Hawaii is just uh, that much better. I agree. I totally agree. They got to fix the Pro Bowl. A lot of things that you know, it's not hard to look at it and say like this needs to be fixed. There's a blueprint for. You know, used to be in Hawaii, that was great. You know, it used to be more. Well, it, it used to be that it used to be that the Pro Bowl would be after the Super Bowl. Yeah. So you wouldn't have this, you know, notion that oh, if you're in the Super Bowl, I can't play mm-hmm. because what if I get hurt in my team? I, so I get that. Yeah. Um. So I, I really thought that was great because you really had no excuse for not playing the game unless you were hurt. Unless mm-hmm. you need a surgery or something. Because the season's over. You're going to play yeah. an all-star game. I mean, come on. It's a perfect yeah. way to end the season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I get players not wanting to get hurt, but they could, they could like, embrace the um, skills competitions of it. Those are really fun. Like, you got right. the catching competition. You got the uh, throwing competitions. I even saw one year they had, um, like, tic-tac-toe, but with kickers. And then you kick the ball through a certain part of the – uh, certain part of the uh, targets, then, sure, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you get uh, oh, yeah, that'd be an awesome idea. I'd love to see that. Yeah, uh, we we had a skill competition back when 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 I was part of the uh, the Pro Bowls, and it was usually done on Waikiki Beach. That's oh, nice. but ours would be like uh, beach volleyball or mm-hmm. just different like beach games. Be yeah. goofy. It was, it was goofy, you know. Might be yeah, in a there. in a out outrigger canoe, you know, like canoe races in the ocean, things like that. Yeah, because you Bar- guys body are... surfing. I mean, there were all kinds <laughs> of different stuff. It was kind of cool. Yeah, because then you're just athletes too, right? Like, even if you do, um, even if it's not football, you're going to be pretty good at what you do. Like the dodgeball competitions, those are really fun to watch. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I agree. That was a good time. Also, just going to the Pro Bowl too. Uh, I think. Part of like the problem, if we're going to talk about the problem of the Pro Bowl, is just that it is at the very end of the season, mm-hmm. and the other sports kind of have theirs in the middle. Like, hey, these are all stars this year. Like, come watch this game where football you can you could never have that. I think is part of the no. issues. So, no, you would not. You wouldn't. It wouldn't be fair because you, you can't pick an all star team after eight games because mm-hmm. your body of work's not done. Right. Yeah. I think you need a full slate of games to decide, and even. You know, not necessarily playoffs, but you need the 16, 17 game regular season. Yeah. And you, you can pick the team after 14 or 15 weeks, but not after seven, eight weeks. That would be yeah. totally unfair. And mm-hmm. I'm sure the coaches wouldn't enjoy seeing their best players out there in the middle of the, no, the season. That's not going to happen. Yeah. That, would, that <laughs> will not happen. Maybe, maybe in basketball, but football, that's not going to happen. And then you got no, the break. Right, and then you got to have like a full break of no football except for that game in between. People wouldn't want to see that. I don't think so. It 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 breaks the flow of the season, and uh, especially if you're on a roll, right? Maybe if you've been losing for a couple of games, you kind of welcome that. But what if you're on a winning streak and you're rolling, and mm-hmm. you, you don't want to break that momentum? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. I mean, there's a like you said, you could fix it, move it after the Super Bowl. I don't know, like flag football wouldn't be that bad if they just if they embrace it, maybe they could make it fun. I don't know because like as it is right now, it's not going to be fun like playing at fifty percent speed. 
No, no, it's a scrimmage at best. It's skelly. It's like seven on seven. You know, you know, mm-hmm. there's no hitting at all. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying you got to level guys, but you know, <laughs> it is tackle football. Yeah. So, and the guys are getting paid a lot of money to play in this game. And so give the fans some entertainment, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't like, <clears throat> it's almost like a poke in the face a little bit to the fans. I feel because the product's so watered down now. Yeah. That yeah, can be a good, like good compromise. Cause I, I get where the players are coming from. Not wanting to get hurt. Cause that just costs them that that's pain. That's time. That's money. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I think part of it too is uh like, when you have the Pro Bowl, what is it, three weeks after the playoffs start, half those guys on the Pro Bowl, their season's over, and most mm-hmm. of them are, like, going, winding down, getting ready for the offseason, kind of, like, resting their body. So I'm yeah, sure they got to wait a is, month. Yeah, yeah. you got to wait a month. Yeah. yeah, that's also true. Yeah. Um, maybe, I don't know, you can't move it before. You can't move yeah, it before, no, you can't move it right after, because then you'll have um, – 14 teams still in the playoffs, still having their mm-hmm. players not wanting to play at all. So that's even worse than having it before the Super Bowl. That, uh, I don't know. I still think the move is after the Super Bowl. That's my Yeah, opinion. after the Super Bowl, um, embrace like the less contact part of it so that you can encourage players to like lean into that. And I don't know, flag football or I don't know, wrapping them up. But there's definitely yeah. got to be a better way. I hope they fix it, get something done. I agree. I don't, I don't. Do you have any other questions, Ian? Nah, that was a great interview. Thank you, Mort. Uh, I enjoyed it, guys. Good luck yeah. with uh, your guest. Thank you. In your podcast. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, you very much for coming on. Finish strong. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, uh, remind Gosh, people we'll see one you. more time. I'll tell you that hi. <laughs> Oh, Great uh, Day first, Nation. First. Yeah, Great Day Nation is mm-hmm. uh, on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so what, yeah, check uh, us out. Mm-hmm. So this week I have we have uh, releases tomorrow. It's Icky Woods uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals. Our guest next week is Tony Bozzelli, newly uh, elected Hall of Fame tackle for Jack- the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow. And like I said, we've had almost 80, uh, I think, tomorrow's episode on wednesday is going to be our 78th or 79th episode so there's a whole library of you know whether you want to go and, and listen to charles barkley or bill murray or or uh, joe namath or uh, dick butkus or chris carter or troy aikman uh wow you name it um that's quite the o- over 35 hall of famers we've had on and uh NFL legends, Roger Goodell, the commissioner. Um, wow. So, yeah. So, if you're listening on March 2nd or after, it's already up and you can go ahead and check that out. Um, exactly. Yeah. And you can, you can recruit. I mean, if you just like and follow Great Day Nation, that would be appreciated, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can, you'll have access to all the episodes that we've done. Awesome. Yeah. And also, if you're listening to this on YouTube, go down and like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, really helps us out a ton, and we appreciate that. We're gonna have a ton of more content coming out over this off season. Uh, we'll get Drew back probably doing some episodes, maybe. Um, me and Ian. We got a YouTube. Here. We got a YouTube channel as well. Actually, I forgot mm-hmm. to mention that. So we're we're on YouTube as well with Great Day Nation there. So um, Vegas Insider is our sponsor. Wow! Nice. 
It's a big hitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, me and Ian will be here all off season making. We'll be back with fantasy football content soon. So get ready for that. Thank you for listening. Uh, I think that'll be it. Have a good one. See you guys. See you.